One Hope Church. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. It's great to see everybody here. Man, the boys are back this morning. Did, how, how, uh, how far did you drive this morning? Curious. Well, we stopped in, we left Charlottesville about 7 p.m. last night. Okay. Awesome. Well, we're glad that we have you here to worship with us this morning. Not as hard for as we I was like, did you drive through the night? Uh, that's fantastic. That's still hardcore. It's great to have you have you here to worship with us. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Derek. Uh, we're going to be continuing this morning in our study through the book of John. Today we will be in chapter 3. We'll be focusing in on verses 19 through 34. It'll be our, text, our primary text for this morning. Before we get started, let me pray for us, and then we will get into the Word this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for your incredible goodness to us. We thank you so much for your word that we have. We thank you for the accounts that we have of Jesus. We thank you for the prophecies we had for telling his coming. We thank you for the scripture that we can look at to see what you desire from us and that you have made a way for us, and we're grateful for that, Lord. And Lord, I just pray this morning that um, you would have your way in our hearts and minds, Lord, and I pray that you would um, forgive me, Lord, for where I haven't walked close with you this week. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me for things that I focus on or put in front of my thoughts and in front of my eyes that are more important, that I put it at a higher premium than you at times, Lord. Lord, I don't want to do that, Lord. I want my life to be about you and about the name of Jesus. And I pray this morning that you would impress that on our hearts, that you would uh, encourage us to shine as lights for you and um, as John the Baptist did to deflect glory to you and that you would be all in all in Jesus name Amen Alright so we are in the book of John chapter 3 I'm going to go back and read a few verses before we're going to start at uh, verse 16 and I will read through chapter uh, verse 34 I'll go ahead and read through verse 35 today but we're going to focus on 19 through 34 um, this starts out here with Jesus actually speaking with very uh, some probably the most uh, well-known verses in the Bible. John 3.16. Everybody's seen it at a football game on a sign somewhere. Uh, so it starts with some of the most well-known verses in the Bible directly from Jesus. And then we get to uh, a bit of an issue that arises um, and has to do with uh, John the Baptist and, uh, and some of his followers. We have an issue that arises, and then we have the testimony of John and John speaking for the rest of the uh, account. Uh, not the author John, but John the Baptist for the rest of the account. So let's go ahead and start. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole section for us. Let's start in verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, or only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That takes us to our verses. This is the verdict, you know, or judgment, or condemnation. Light has come into the world, but men 
loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent uh, some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you uh, on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he, start, when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth belongs to earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies uh, to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God, gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son, and has placed everything in his hands. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's go back through this and pull this apart a little bit. So, the first verse, uh, verse 19, uh, this is the condemnation, or this is the verdict, judgment. We already talked about in the prior verses that anybody that has not believed in Jesus is condemned already. So, why are you going to hell? Not because I've done a whole, whole bunch of bad things. Yes, that's part of it. But, because you haven't believed in the rescue. Jesus is the rescue. And if you haven't believed in the rescue, the one God sent for us, then... You already stand condemned. So this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So a lot of times we talk about darkness and light. We've been talking about that in house fellowships. There's a ton of verses in Scripture talking about darkness and light. And sometimes darkness seems to have to do with evil. But in this situation, it's a little bit different because... Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. It wasn't saying men loved evil because their deeds were evil. They actually liked hiding in the dark because their deeds were evil. Um, human beings love selfish desires rather than being in the light of God when left to their own de- devices. You know, God is light. In Him there is no darkness. You know, sinful humans worship objects of our own selfish desires and created things rather than the Creator, as it says in Romans one twenty-five. So, verse 20, For everyone practicing evil uh, hates the light. Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds be exposed. So why, do you, why does 
evil love the darkness because it doesn't like to be exposed for what it is. And, and we all know this, right? You're sitting at work and you're not doing what you should be doing. What do you do? You look around. Is anybody looking at me? You know, is anybody, am I exposed? Does anybody see me? Um, for an example, um, man, like 15 years ago, uh, at our church, we had a whole lot of uh, college students, a lot of uh, young believers too, and a lot of the guys all at one time uh, um, signed up for a, a something called Covenant Eyes, which when you're on, online doing online activity, it would send a report card to somebody else so you could have uh, accountability and keep up with one another. That was 15 years ago, so that was before these things, right? That was also... Uh, that was also when people were like going online to look at MySpace. We're talking like a bazillion years ago, right? And we're also talking about a time when computers were actually, if you wanted to get on a computer, you actually had to go to a computer, turn it on, wait for it to boot up. And a lot of people had uh, roommates and things. And, you know, and on, the, on the activity report, you, know, you could be like, oh, everything looks fine. But you could also see when people were online. And it is inevitable. If somebody was online at 3 o'clock in the morning on the Internet, it was never a good thing, Right? Never once. Why? Because, I mean, whoever's in front of that screen doesn't want anybody else to see what's on that screen. Three o'clock in the morning is the time to do that, right? Um, that's just that's an example, but that's something we all know. Like, that's something for us to be aware of as human beings that still struggle with sin. If you're ever doing something and you look around before you do it, check yourself, right? Check yourself. Because uh, sin does not like to be exposed. Now, in this example... Jesus is bringing the good news, the light, the truth. There is a truth, but people don't want to hear that truth because then their deeds are exposed. They don't even want to see their deeds for what they are and then say, oh, now these deeds are come to light, even to their own mind. Sometimes you're like, oh, people don't have the idea of there is something that's actually right. There is something that's actually wrong. You know, we're just doing what we want to do. My life is pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. I haven't murdered anybody. But then when the light of Scripture hits your life and saying, look, your motivations aren't even correct. Right? Then it's like, wow, Well, that means I'm going to have to change a lot of things. I don't want to have to come into the light. Human beings, sinful desires, prefer darkness because that's something that you can keep behind a veil that nobody has to see. And even when yourself has to look at it and see it for what it is, it's a scary thing. You don't want to touch it, right? So that's the first, yeah, the first uh, thing for us to uh, keep in mind. Anytime you look inside to side or looking behind, you'll be like, ah, what am I doing? Right? But Christ is the light and exposes people's deeds as evil. Motivations of the heart, as we see as we're looking through um, in our house fellowships, as we've been looking um, uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, it goes even deeper than just the outworkings of our actions, even to our desires. Those practicing evil do not want to acknowledge the truth and have to come into the light. Verse 21. But he who does the truth comes to the light. That's an interesting way of saying it, right? Not he who believes the right things. is he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that have uh, been done, that they have been done in God. So, if you're op- if for a sinner operating in darkness, does not want light exposed on those evil deeds, but for those that have confessed sins, have repented, and they're living in the light. And we're still dealing with sin at, on some level, but also the motivation of your life is truth. You're doing things for the will of God. You are uh, participating in doing the truth um, and acknowledging the truth of what the light has taught. Your, your life is different, right? Um, your deeds, you want those deeds to be clearly seen uh, that, they may, that they have been done in God for God's glory, right? So these are the ones... Um, 
you know, so these are the people in, in verse 21, not people that are condemned. These are not people that haven't believed and are condemned already. These are the ones that have knowledge, the truth, and acknowledged uh, what Christ has said. These are the ones who believe in the one God sent. So in small group, House Fellowship, we've been going through the 40-day challenge, and we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. So this is the people who are the salt of the earth, right? This is the people who are the city on the hill. You can't hide it. Those good works are visible to everybody. It's right there in front of you. And the point of all that is the lamp on the lampstand is there to give light to the house so that everybody can see, to expose the darkness. That's part of it, to expose darkness. Look, man, that's not okay. That is darkness. But then also that the good deeds that are done point to the ultimate light, right? That we reflect the light of God. That's our desire. In verse 22, um, and so those are, those, you know, let keep those in mind as we, uh, as we go through the week, you know, we, there is a real light and darkness that's really happening in the world. We were in darkness, right? We've come into the light, and it's part of our job now as the light to uh, participants in the kingdom of God to shine that light to others so they can see what deeds are evil, but then also that we can bring them into the light when they see the goodness. We want to bring them into the light and to the truth uh, of the gospel. So, verse 22 After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. So, we've gone from the direct words of Jesus here to a little bit of a a shift in the ministry. Um, Jesus and his disciples come into the region of Judea, which is where he'll do most of his ministries, and he's coming into this region. And um, crowds are now coming to him to hear him. But he's still probably, you know, this isn't the crux of his ministry where he's just got hordes and hordes of people following him, but he's getting, he has a, a gathering. And um, they're coming to him, and he is baptizing people, just like John's baptizing people. But it's not Jesus himself, because we'll see in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it's actually Jesus' disciples that are doing the baptizing. Um, it's a parenthetical note, and it'll address that again in chapter 4. We'll, we'll look at that, which is probably a good thing, so we don't have, you know, generation later saying, well, my, or a couple of generations later, well, my grandfather was directly baptized by Jesus. So you have something to be proud about. We, uh, we followers of Jesus even, or, uh, we're prone to, uh, we're, we're prone to bad motivations <laughs> and for uh, propping up people that shouldn't be propped up for whatever reasons, for trying to prop ourselves up for reasons that are antithetical to the gospel. Remember Paul saying he was glad that he didn't baptize so many because some said, I follow Paul, and some said, I follow Paulus. And Jesus is like, it's about, I mean, and, and Paul is saying, it's about Jesus, not who baptized who. So, it's, so Jesus is teaching. People are coming to a hearing and hearing his teaching, and his disciples are baptizing them under uh, Jesus' supervision. Uh, and so we see the beginning of, of Jesus' uh, instruction and teaching and ministry in the region of Judea. Verse 23. Now, John also was baptizing in Anam near Salim because there was much water there. So this is after the baptism of Jesus that we've already, we've already read about. And John has not yet been imprisoned, which we'll see in verse, uh, in verse 24. So there is some actual overlap between Jesus' ministry and John's ministry. In a couple of Gospels, how it reads, you read about John baptizing Jesus, the amazing scene with the voice of God, the Holy Spirit descending as a dove, this amazing scene, and then the next thing you hear about John is he's in prison, 
but there's actually some time with a little bit of overlap. Not sure how long it is, but probably not very long. Uh, but there is some overlap here in the ministry. And now John has gone to Anon near Salim, um, which is uh, probably north. Uh, most people think it's likely somewhere in Samaria between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. It's not 100% sure. But John had been working a lot in Judea, and now he's not in Judea. And Jesus and his disciples are in Judea. It's, pre- it's pretty interesting. Um, and so many come and are baptized um, for not John, verse 24, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. And as we know, he was thrown into prison because of speaking the truth to Herod about his illicit, illicit marriage, and then he's imprisoned and eventually uh, executed. But at this time, John is still doing his ministry, preparing the way of the Lord. In verse 25, there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the, the Jews about purification. So what is this dispute exactly? We have, a, we, have, we have these verses, and now we come to a point where there's a bit of a... Uh, there's an issue, there's an argument, there's something going on here. Now, Jesus had disciples that were following him. John had disciples that were following him. It's interesting to think of that, you know. John was going into the wilderness. What was he wearing? He was wearing some weird things, right? What was he eating? Locusts and honey. He was not your, not your regular guy, but he had a lot of people coming out to him, and he's, t- and he's preparing the way of the Lord. Um, and people are being baptized, which is a bit of a purification ritual. They're repenting of their sins, and they're getting their hearts ready for what the Lord is going to do. And many people came out, were baptized, and he's got actually some disciples that want to follow him and work with him. Uh, so now some of his disciples are arguing with some Jews over purification. I'm not sure exactly what the argument was. Maybe it was some of the Jews saying, hey, we already have all these ritual hand-washing purifications. Why should we be baptized? Or they could be saying something to the fact of, all right, so you guys are baptizing. This guy over here named Jesus is baptizing. Which one is it supposed to be? You know, Who, who am I supposed to go be baptized by? Not, not really sure. Probably the latter, but I'm not really sure. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, uh, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. So these are zealous disciples of John that are really uh, invested in John's ministry and what John is doing. And now we see somebody else coming and doing a bit of what John is doing and is getting popular, and they're in the area of Judea, and here we are not there anymore. Um, And they say, and all are coming to him, which is a gross overstatement at this point because all are not coming to him. You know, Jesus didn't start his ministry and all the Pharisees come out and say, you know what, just like it says in Scripture, we're going to go ahead and follow you and change everything. I mean, not all were following him, but obviously some were following him. But John's uh, disciples are are upset uh, for jealous reasons. And it takes us to verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. I mean, what a statement just to start, right? He's talking about himself right there. You know, they're saying, Hey, John, this other guy's doing these things. What, what, what about you? You know, you were the first. God called you. We've seen you live different. You're not like other people. You're the greatest, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're the greatest prophet anybody's ever seen. What's happening here? And John recognizes 
what has happened in his life is because of what he's received from God, from heaven. It's not his own doing. It's not his own making. Um, verse 28, You yourselves bear uh, me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him or ahead of him. So John says very clearly to his disciples, look, this isn't about me. I mean, this might be amazing. We've got a bunch of people following. We've got a bunch of changed lives. We have a bunch of people that were terrible sinners that have you know, come and been baptized and have purified their hearts and are serving God and, and are looking and are waiting for what's going to happen. But that's not about me. That's not what this is about. Um, which is an in- interesting note on ministry, right? Like, here we have the one that is the greatest who's ever lived. Jesus calls him the greatest person that has ever lived, essentially. The greatest, um, um, uh, certainly the greatest prophet that has ever lived. And he recognizes it's not about himself. Now, we're all ministers of the gospel in, in, some, in some form or fashion. Like, we've, we've been called out of darkness into the light. We are in the kingdom of God if we are believers. And we have a role to play, no matter what we do. And who we come in contact with, we have a role to play. But that role that we play, what God has called us to, is not about us, right? Um, I always hear the, uh, growing up, I always heard a lot of people talking about my ministry. Like, that was a very common term. Like, oh, my ministry, um, God has called my ministry is this. I'm building my ministry, this, that, and the other. And it's, a, it's always an odd, uh, kind of an odd term. Not, not, to, not trying to dunk on anybody that's ever said that, because, you know, I've said that before. But it's all supposed to point towards Jesus, right? It's all supposed to point towards Jesus. You know, we're not supposed to be talking about my church, my this, my this, that, especially in a spiritual sense. It's Jesus' church. It's Jesus' ministry that he's graciously given me. Um, we don't, and like, we talk about the kingdom of God and kingdoms. We don't, I don't know if we very well recognize kingdoms, but recognize businesses, right? So like, if you're a, we, at one point we were working for self Inc. Right or World Inc. And you might have had a you might have had a corner office. You might have been a you might have been a janitor. You were doing something, but you were working. But now we've got a much better position in God's kingdom. We get to work for the fantastic nonprofit of Heaven Inc. Right. <laughs> and maybe you have a corner office. Maybe you're an electrician. Maybe you're a janitor. Maybe God. Well, I don't know what God's called you to. But what are you doing? Are you sitting at your desk twiddling your thumbs? You know, or are you actually about the work of God? You know, when we say, when we say, you know, when we say not to make too much of our ministry, it's God's. That doesn't mean do nothing. You know, John's pointing to Christ. He's doing a lot of work. He's making a lot of sacrifices, right? When we look at the disciples, they're making a lot of sacrifices. There's many believers that have gone before us that have made a lot of sacrifices. They're doing a lot of things, but you can tell who is genuine and who's about the kingdom of God when the first thing they point to is, is Jesus. You know, if you think of a minister in earthly sense, right, like you can pop one in your head, who do you think of? What, what do you think about, of, about them? It's like, oh, that guy is super famous, he's a really good speaker. Or, oh, that guy, oh man, he's got a massive church. Or, oh, that guy does these cool things. The first thing we should think about with anybody is, well, that person points people to Jesus, right? Like that's what I want somebody to say about me. You know, and I, and I was thinking, and that's very true for a lot of amazing ministers of the gospel. We were listening to Robbie Zacharias this weekend. Man, he's encouraged me in my faith so much. And when the first thing I think of Robbie Zacharias, I think, man, there's a guy that's for real. Like he doesn't go around in fancy clothes. He's not trying to, you know, make a lot of himself. 
he's a very intelligent person, but he's doing a lot of things that are difficult all the time. But you don't, you know, but it's not about him, right? And that's how we need to think of ourselves. We need to put Jesus for first and reflect that light. Uh, verse 29. Uh, he who has the... Uh, so this is John still speaking um, to his disciples. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because... Uh, of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, uh, this joy of mine is fulfilled. So this is an interesting statement. He's talking about a party. I'm going to be the first to admit I'm not good at partying. I'm not good at partying at all. Uh, having a good, yeah, But some people are really good at partying. I heard that uh, Vanessa had an awesome party yesterday, right? Some people are good at celebrating awesome food, awesome music, awesome conversation. Everybody's together, happy, ex- uh, celebrating, excited. But normally there's a point of it, right? We're going to celebrate... Uh, somebody's birthday. In this situation, we have uh, a wedding, right? And it's this awesome event. Now, in this, in this, uh, this illustration, the bridegroom here is Jesus. The bride are the ones coming to him. You know, eventually we talk about the church as being the bride of Christ. And John's already talking in this way. And he says, look, here's the bridegroom. Here's the bride. Who am I? I'm just a, I'm just a friend, right? I'm not the, John's like, I'm not the bridegroom. This isn't about me. This isn't my party. You know, all these relatives and food and feasts and songs, they're not here to sing about me. That's not what it's about. That's just my friend that I get to serve. You know, I get to be the best man to help set stuff up and get things ready for him. And I'm all excited. You know, everybody's, everybody's happy and rejoicing and having a good time. And John, his, this joy of mine is fulfilled. His joy is complete when he hears the bridegroom's voice. This is what he's been waiting for. He's been prepping this thing, ready for this party, to get ready for what is going to happen. And he's excited about this at hearing the bridegroom's voice. So he is not, he's not like, man, this ministry thing was great, but now it's Jesus, Jesus is here, and I'm just going to have to kind of sit down and do nothing. You know, and man, it's a little, little... No, he's not thinking that. It's like, this was what it was about. This is what we've been prepping for. This is what we've been getting ready for. And he's joyful at hearing this. So Jesus is increasing. People are following him. These things are happening. He's excited about that. And that's how we should be as well, too. Then he says this amazing line here uh, in verse 30. He must increase, I must decrease. You know, that's a, that is a great aphorism, proverb, truism for us all to get in our minds and just make true about our lives, right? That's, that's what we want. Uh, I've heard it said before that the first law of ministry is humility, right? We are clay pots. You know, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Nobody, right? It's all about Christ. Second uh, Corinthians 4, verse 5 we do not preach ourselves, but Christ as Lord. So here is John, who has been giving this amazing ministry. He's worked so hard. I'm sure he's cried a lot of tears. He's had a lot of cold nights out in the sand. He's been eating locusts and wild honey. And um, it's not that he's about to, uh, it's not that, you know, he's really sad that all of this is coming to a close. And he's, uh, and also he's going to be put into jail. And, even, and when he's in jail, he's got the sad moment kind of where he asks, you know, Jesus' kingdom's not quite set up, right? And he's in jail later after being all excited that Jesus is coming and people are going to see him. He's, his joy is full. And then he finds himself languishing in prison later. And he sends out to his disciples to go ask Jesus, so are you for real the one, or should we be expecting somebody else? 
So we had a, he, was, he was ready. He was excited. He was, he was ready for this party, 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 party. And the party hasn't happened. And he's in jail, right? Um, but at that time, what, is, what does Jesus tell him? He says, he tells his disciples, go and tell what you've seen, the lame walk. And, he's, and he talks about all these amazing things that are happening to give John you know, encouragement that, yes, it's happening. It's happening. Maybe not in the time frame you were thinking, but it is happening. This is... Uh, but John gets it, which we're going to see here in these next couple of verses. John gets who Jesus is. He really does. But let's not forget, this is the verse for us to memorize, if any. He must increase, I must decrease. Um, re- side, side cheesy note. I was in a, when I met Tara, I was in a, in a rock band. <laughs> However many years ago that was, a long time ago. And, uh, and we were all believers, and we, uh, we were going to change the world uh, by a, you know, teaching the good news of Jesus at, at rock and roll concerts. Um, that didn't quite pan out, but we, we were trying to come up with it. We were, we were trying to come up with a name, like, you know, we, we, we love playing music. We want, to, we want to teach the truth of Christ. We, we don't want to, you know, bring glory to ourselves. We, come up with this. we came up with a name, Fourth Fading, which I know is a cheesy, super cheesy, right? Fourth Fading. It's like, hey, I, wanna, I need to step back so that, but it's not a negative thing, right? So a lot of times we think, I must decrease, and it's all automatically negative. Well, I'm going to decrease. No, that's what we're excited about. We're excited about the party. We're part of the kingdom. It is happening even here and now. People are coming to know Christ. Lives are being changed. Things are happening. We are part of the story, and we need to be excited about it, but not for us and for our little puny kingdoms. It's for Him. It's for Him. All right, so let's get here into verse 31 uh, with these things that John is going to say to his disciples that are absolutely just amazing. John gets it. Verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. And he'll say a very similar statement here in just a moment. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So he's stating very clearly that the origin of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is not an earthly origin. He has a heavenly origin. Um, uh, in John three, excuse me, John six thirty three, the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. In that section in John, which we'll get to, the word down from heaven or out of heaven is used multiple times. I mean, it's really clear. It is. I mean, if you're reading the Gospels, you can't miss it. When we're talking about the virgin birth, it's you, you can't miss it. Jesus is not just purely an earthly concoction. He is he has a heavenly origin, and uh, John the Baptist gets this. Verse thirty-two, and what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. So, Jesus has a heavenly origin, but the knowledge that he has is first-hand knowledge, right? He didn't need an earthly teacher or tutor uh, to teach him about God. He has uh, knowledge that is first-hand knowledge from God. That makes him different than anybody ever. Who else had first-hand knowledge because of their heavenly origin? Jesus. That's Okay, close that book. That's the end of it, right? Um, now, of course, Jesus limited himself um, when he came to earth in the form of a human, Right? But we even see at 12 years old, uh, when, he's, when he's teaching that, 
when he skedaddles from his parents. Even at 12 years old, he, um, he knows who he is and he knows his mission, even at 12 years old. So he limits himself as a human, but he also knows things that human beings just don't know because he has firsthand knowledge. And, you, and you also you see his omniscience through Scripture when people are talking or, or thinking things and he knows what they're thinking, right? That's because he has uh, knowledge that they don't. Um, and then also, verse thirty at the end of 32, and it says, and no one receives his testimony. Now, that, that's a general statement because the very next verse says that some people receive his testimony. So when it says no one, that's a comparative thing. So again, the, uh, the, uh, just like, the, like John's disciples said, everybody's coming to him. Well, they knew that like literally not everybody's coming to him, but a lot of people are coming to him. More people are coming to him now than us, right? To them, that's everybody, right? When John's saying this, this is a general term too. Um, that uh, that no one receives his testimony. It's not like Israel in mass heard Jesus one time and everything changes, right? It's 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 not happening that way. But what is happening? Verse thirty three. Uh, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. So certified or set his seal to this that God is true. So we have Jesus's heavenly origin, his firsthand knowledge. Um, from heaven. And then here, um, we see that he is the one that God promised, right? So if, if you say, he who receives his testimony has certified that God is true, that is saying you cannot, um, you can't say that God is true and reject Jesus. It doesn't work. Because Jesus is the one God had promised. So, I mean, we see the angel came to Mary to tell her about Jesus. You know, we see at the baptism of Jesus, the audible word of God to John and all that were around. See, at the transfiguration, this is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. Listen to him from Matthew 17. And we have all of the prophets that foretold of, of Christ. You can even look into Genesis and into... There's, there's so many things that point to Christ throughout the Old Testament. This is who, who uh, God had appointed. This is, the, the, this is the chosen one. So you can't say... You can't say on one hand that I believe God and everything He said and then reject Jesus because that's the one who He sent. So that's what John means when he says, He who has received His testimony, believes the testimony of Jesus, has certified that God is true. Yes, you, that's right. Everything you've said is correct and I accept it and here He is right in front of me. So, verse 34. For He whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. So, Jesus has a heavenly origin, first-hand knowledge. He's the one God promised, and He speaks the words of God. And He has this fullness of the Spirit without measure, which cannot be said of anybody else before in history, right? The Spirit came upon David. We even see with John the Baptist that he had the Holy Spirit even from in the womb. So the Holy Spirit has worked through history in people and through people in different ways, and we have the benefit in, in the New Testament church of having the Holy Spirit in our lives too in ways that people didn't in the past. But Jesus, there's not a measure there, right? When the Spirit descended as a dove, that was an out that was a picture of the true reality that He is indeed God, right? He is part of the Godhead. There is, you know, He what He has what He has seen, what He testifies is on a different level. Uh, because he speaks the words of God. Um, and then we'll look in t- t- next week, verse th- and verse 35, we'll talk about how 
uh, he has received all authority from the Father. So, so as John is speaking to his disciples when they come up with this question, which is, I mean, which is an understandable question, right? I mean, we remember even Jesus' followers say, "Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom?" Right? Um, we, we human beings, uh, even 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 in the midst of of wisdom, sometimes are, are slow to learn, right? So they ask this question, but John genuinely gets it. He understands. He knows the ministry that was given to him and the purpose for it and that it points to Jesus and he understands where Jesus is from and, uh, and, and uh, beckons everybody to listen. So what do we do, what do, we do with all of these verses? Um, they're encouraging verses. What do we do with them? So a couple of points. So number one, um, I, my first thing I would encourage us this week is to be careful with our lives when we're looking over our shoulder, right? If, you, if you're ever thinking who's looking, Beware, because that's how darkness likes to creep in, right? Uh, it doesn't like to be uh, exposed. Um, another thing to remember is that you are a minister. You are a minister. I'm a minister. You are a minister. Are we doing a good job? That's a good question. But we are ministers of the gospel. We are, uh, or at least we should be acting that way. Um, so we need to be looking to Jesus, right? We have to look to Jesus because we want to be his light uh, to everybody around us, right? We want to reflect the light uh, to a world that's in darkness because it's very clear that the world's in darkness. It doesn't take you know five seconds to realize that the world is in darkness and the world needs light. And we want people's deeds to be exposed and we want people to, 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 to um, as John was saying, you know, to hear the good news of Jesus and acknowledge that he's right and acknowledge that their deeds are wrong and come out of darkness and come into light and we have to look to Jesus first if that's going to happen in our lives through us. If the Lord's going to use us, we have to be looking to the Lord first. So look to Jesus. And then just also this week, remember, uh, He must increase, I must decrease. And I think you can probably parse every part of your life out and, and put that phrase beside it and say, is this a truism in my life? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oh, go ahead and divide something out here. Whether it's your goals, uh, whether it's you know your work productivity, whether it's how you're spending your time, how how is that lining up in your life? Is is he increasing? Am I decreasing? And that again, that's not decrease in the sense of disappear, but actually, am I decreasing because maybe you're a star and you're burning bright, but as the sun rises, everything becomes bright and nobody can see your light anymore because the sun is the is the is the most important thing. Are our lives like that? We want to shine bright, but we want to decrease as the brightness of Jesus increases uh, in the lives of those around us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us, and we thank you so much that you sent your Son to this earth. We thank you that he took the punishment that we deserved. And Lord, we are grateful to be called your children because of what you've done. And Lord, we want to follow you. And Lord, we want to point people to you. Um, And I have to confess, Lord, that I don't always know what to do with that. Uh, So I pray for this week, uh, for myself, um, that you would reveal to me in my life how I can 
be a light that shines for you. Um, I think that's an easy thing for me to say and a hard thing for me to really know how to act upon. Um, So I pray that you would give me wisdom and I pray for everybody uh, in this room here, Lord, that that you would teach us uh, that you would show us your way, that through your Holy Spirit, through, the, through your word and through brothers and sisters, that you would help, help guide us, um, help us to make decisions uh, with our time for you, help us to engage other people around us for you. Uh, and Lord, help our lights shine brighter because of your light shining through us, that people may see you. And we desire these things, Lord. Um, Help us to bow our knees to you and to submit fully. And we want you to have your way. And we pray that you would. In Jesus' name, amen.